Is there such a thing as the worst sin, one sin that is worse than all the others? Well, there is. I am well aware that some people differ. They maintain that we can't declare any sin worse than any other. To God, a sin is a sin is how it's often expressed. In this view, the person who steals a stapler from the office is committing as grievous a sin in God's eyes as a murderer. But most people intuitively, as well as biblically, understand that some sins are clearly worse than others. We are confident that God has at least as much common sense as we do. The God of Judaism and Christianity does not equate stealing an office item with murder. So then, what is the worst sin? The worst sin is committing evil in God's name. How do we know? From the third commandment of the Ten Commandments. This is the only one of the Ten Commandments that states that God will not forgive a person who violates the commandment. What does the commandment say? It is most commonly translated as, Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold guiltless, meaning will not forgive, whoever takes his name in vain. Most people understandably think that the commandment forbids saying God's name for no good reason. So something like, God, that I have a rough day at work today, violates the third commandment. But that interpretation presents a real problem. It would mean that whereas God could forgive the violation of any of the other commandments, dishonoring one's parents, stealing, adultery, or even committing murder, he would never forgive someone who said, God, did I have a rough day at work today. Let's be honest. That would render God and the Ten Commandments morally incomprehensible. Well, as it happens, the commandment is not the problem. The problem is the translation. The Hebrew original does not say, do not take. It says, do not carry. The Hebrew literally reads, do not carry the name of the Lord thy God in vain. One of the most widely used new translations of the Bible, the New International Version, or NIV, uses the word misuse rather than the word take. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. This is much closer to the original's intent. What does it mean to carry or to misuse God's name? It means committing evil in God's name. And that God will not forgive. Why not? When an irreligious person commits evil, it doesn't bring God and religion into disrepute. But when religious people commit evil, especially in God's name, they are not only committing evil, they are doing terrible damage to the name of God. In our time, there is an example of this. The evils committed by Islamists who torture, bomb, cut throats, and mass murder, all in the name of God, do terrible damage to the name of God. It is not coincidental that what is called the new atheism, the immense eruption of atheist activism, followed the 9-11 attacks on America by Islamist terrorists. In fact, the most frequent argument against God and religion concerns evil committed in God's name, whether it is done in the name of Allah today or was done in the past in the name of Christ. People who murder in the name of God not only kill their victims, they kill God too.
That's why the greatest sin is religious evil. That's what the third commandment is there to teach. Don't carry God's name in vain. If you do, God won't forgive you. I'm Dennis Prager. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to start there. It says, and God spoke in verse one, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children, to the third and fourth generations, to those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath, and the Lord your God, of the Lord your God, in it you shall do no work, nor you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is in your neighbor's, that, anything that is your neighbor's. So we've, we've been going through the, the Ten Commandments. And when we started this Ten Commandments series, um, I, I felt like it was important that we started with this premise are the Ten Commandments valid for us today? And do they still apply to our lives? Now, as we go through that, we, we spent here on a Sunday morning a lot of time in the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians is Paul taking the gloves off. He's not pulling punches. He's bare knuckles. And he's attacking um, grace and, and defending grace and attacking the law in the book of Galatians. And we made a six-week-long case that we no longer live under the law of Moses. And so now we go back to the law of Moses, what started the law of Moses. Now, as we go on in Exodus, as you start flipping pages and you read the titles, you'll see that God is going to begin to lay out all of the law of Moses. This law became over the years by the rabbis codified into 630, what is it, one, 631 different, 632 different commandments that, that God laid out for the people that, that, the, that the Jews had codified. And so this was the law of Moses, and we think of the commandments, we think of the Ten Commandments, and actually according to God's law, it was, it was very large, and you had to be very scholarly to understand it. But, but for us just to break down the Ten Commandments, and, and do we take that argument in um, Galatians that we made along, along in, a, in, a, in a heavy plea that we do not live under the law anymore, and, and do we completely throw out the Old Testament and it's, no re, it's not relevant for us anymore? Do we, do we get to pick and choose the, the rules in the Old Testament that, that we like? You know, I, on Sunday I said that, that someone had quoted a, a, a thing out of numbers and, and using it valid for today. And, and my argument was, if that's valid in the law, then so are the rest of the things in the law, such as 
you know, some of the things we tease, but teenagers, in the law of Moses, if a teenager was disrespectful and dishonored his parents, the punishment was stoning to death. In, in, in the law, if you were committed adultery and you were guilty and caught in adultery, stoning. Women were to be um, separated from the house and from their husbands and to live outside of the dwelling for seven days while they were on their menstrual cycle. Um, on and on and on and on. And so th- those are not obviously right things in the law that, that we follow today. So do we just pick and choose what parts we like and what parts we want to say are relevant today? Jesus said that he's, he's come not to abolish the law. Because it, it, it's kind of hard to understand because it does almost the same thing. But we need to separate and we need to be able to divide the fact that Jesus said that the law, we now live under grace. We don't live under the law. But, but he wanted us to understand that he didn't, the law wasn't bad and wrong and now he's got to fix it and he's got to do a redo and God blew it for 4,000 years or 2,000 years that they had the law and 4,000 years of Old Testament history and now Jesus is coming. The law was a schoolmaster, Paul tells us. It was necessary. It, it was, it was a, a, a teacher that would show us and showed and, and proved to human, humanity and society that, that we cannot please God in the flesh, that we need a Savior. And anybody who lived according to the Old Testament law did not go to heaven to be with the Father because their sins were not forgiven. Their sins were only washed. And according to the Old Testament covenant, you would sacrifice a lamb and the blood of the lamb. You would um, ceremonially place your sins upon the altar. The priest would sacrifice a lamb hundreds of thousands a year. And they would sprinkle the blood of the lamb that you offered that would ceremonially cover your sins. But anybody who lived under that system, when they died, they went where? They went to a place called Abraham's bosom, right? And and, and Jesus testified of this place. And the Bible says, kind of a hard thing to understand, but the Bible says before Jesus ascended or went up, he first descended and set captivity free. Where did he go? He went to Abraham's bosom. And, And there... Now the shed blood of Jesus completed what the shed blood of lambs was not capable of doing. The shed blood of lambs in the Old Testament would cover sins, but they were still there. And the blood of Jesus does something different. It washes them away as if they never happened. And now those people could not be in the presence of a a holy God until their sins were completely washed away. And so all the Old Testament saints, after Jesus died on the cross, then were in heaven. And on this side of the cross, the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. We no longer go, if you're going to heaven, we no longer go to Abraham's bosom anymore. There was a great um, crevasse or something. There was a great like separator between the the paradise side and the hell side. And, And Lazarus tells us the story, not the Lazarus that Jesus raised but the story of the rich man and Lazarus, that side is temporary hell and still exists. So um, eventually, the Bible says in Revelation that that God's going to take that and he's going to throw it into the lake of fire that that is going to burn for eternity. So um, all that to say, how do do we then take the law? We're going to get into, in the next commandment, the law of the Sabbath, which is important. Now, Now, tithing, for example, part of the law, all of these things, they, they're, they're good and, and they're profitable for living. Now, we don't live and bound under them 
per se as the entire law of Moses, but the Sabbath, for example, there, there's a reason that God laid it out. And, and there's a wisdom in, in us taking a day to honor the Lord and, and remember the Lord. And if you put one day of your week to, to set aside to honor God, then it, it, it just keeps God. It keeps you abiding in Christ. It keeps you abiding in God. And there's a wisdom in it, and it's wise. And, and when you take into consideration the entire counsel of God's Word, the, the things that we find here... Now, some of these, right? Would you say, do not murder is a, is a New Testament commandment that's valid for today? Not sure? Yes, it is. So, um, so in this one, do not take the Lord's... And, and, and you know what? J- just We're going to get to it in a second, but... Jesus took many of these commandments and he made them New Testament, so to speak. He, he said, you have heard it said, do not murder. But I say to you, do not hate. Because if you have hate in your heart for your brother, you've committed murder already. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. When, when Jesus said, you have heard it said, do not murder, do not hate, what was, what was he referencing? Ten Commandments, right? That's where we heard it. That's where we heard it of old. It was in the Ten Commandments. And Jesus just took it to a new level. And he took something that was a, that was a legal um, law, letter of the law, and he applied it to our hearts. And that you're, you're guilty even if you lustfully look at a woman lustfully that you've committed adultery with her already in your heart. And so in, in all of these, now I think traditionally this one, if we just focus on this one for tonight, I want to kind of bring it up to what Jesus and how Jesus dealt with it. But he says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So this one is set apart and it's a little unique because, you know, when it comes to do not steal, do not murder, he he doesn't say do not steal and because it'll do not lie. They're just simple. That's all it is. Don't murder. That's simple. But in this one, he, he qualifies it and he adds to, do not take the name of the Lord thy God in, name in vain, um, and because it will not go unpunished. Just like when he comes to the, the honor your father and mother, there's a qualifying um, clause on that one. And so those are, those are unique in the Ten Commandments. And so um, I, I think traditionally we think of, do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, by, um, a, meaning that we're not supposed to use the Lord's name in a curse word. And, um, you know, I, I think in this, and I want to be careful because I don't want to, but I want to say that there's probably small and large um, implications within the, the Ten Commandments. And I don't think we, within this commandment, but I don't think we should break either one of them. The small being, and, and I think the lesser insignificant, because this, this commandment is not, and I don't want to rule it out and say it's not dealing with, you know, hitting your hammer with a thumb and saying, Oh, Jesus! That, that's, that's probably, as Christian people, right, that's probably not something we should be doing. But, but is that what God is dealing with in totality in this commandment when he says, don't take the name of the Lord God in vain? And, and, and you know, people use the Lord's name in vain all the time. And yes, I think that's a small part of it, an important part of it, and it's something definitely that we're going we're to talk about and, and hammer out. But the big picture is what was explained in the video is that taking the Lord, the the name of the Lord your God in vain is a much bigger um, um, sin and and reality of life that, that God is concerned with than than just those things. And again, I'm not justifying those things. I'm not saying that we're to do those things. Those things are wrong, and and they are you know covered and and dealt with. But the big picture issue is using the Lord's name because, like he said, he explained in the video, like. Because this is a serious deal that God says it will not go unpunished. 
So do you think God is really like he's got like this ego trip, you know, about his name that, you know, and the name of the God is, a God is important, but you guys remember Johnny Carson? Um, any of you guys ever heard of Johnny Cat? Johnny Cat's kitty litter? So back in the day when Johnny Carson was, uh, you know, biggest, biggest name in, in, you know, in Hollywood and late night show, he would come out and how would the, how would the opening line go? Anybody know? No? There, hey, the rest of you guys knew it. You just wouldn't admit it. There's Johnny. So Johnny Cat, this new product, Kitty Litter, came out. And in the commercial, they have this cat that's, that's walking and the, the Johnny Cat's over there. And, um, and the commercial goes, here comes Johnny. And then the cat gets in the Kitty Litter thing and he's having a good time and he does his business. Well, John, um, it, it offended John Carson and he, he sued them, multi-million dollar lawsuit, and won for defamation of name and character. Because they, they used his name. And so is that kind of God's heart in the Ten Commandments of don't take my name in vain? Don't use my name in a way that embarrasses me or that I don't like? I think it's bigger than that, right? I think there's more to it than that. And I think over the years as the video kind of was, I think it was a little strong in, in, in language and in nature. But the idea of this commandment as we unpack it is that people use the name of the Lord um, in a way that, that is not consistent with God's nature. They use it to manipulate. They use it to, to lie. They use it to fleece the flock of God. Um, so, so we'll go through those two, big and small. So let's start with small first, um, which, again, both are wrong. Actually, before we do that, we better, we better just take it what Jesus said so we can catch it in context. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5, and this is where Jesus unpacks for us in the New Testament the... Um, the Ten Commandments, Matthew chapter 5, in a sermon, a special sermon up on this thing called a mount, the Sermon on the Mount. And so a sermon that Jesus um, gave several times in his life and his ministry, recorded again on Luke. But in Luke, it says that he was in a flat plane when he gave the sermon, very similar um, information that Jesus gave. In verse 33, he said, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, so Jesus says, you've heard that it was said to those of old. So do you think that like he may, might have been talking about like Exodus chapter 20? Maybe right after the nation of Israel left Egypt and, and, and God showed up on Mount Sinai and he gave them the Ten Commandments. So Jesus says, though you've heard of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, now Jesus is taking it New Testament next level. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem. Oh, I love this. My, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And so, um, taking the Lord's name in vain, we're starting with the small now, um, Jesus says that in this idea of swearing, and so what do we say? Hey, man, I, 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 know, I know that you did that. No, I didn't do it. I really didn't do it. No, I know you did. I, I, I'm pretty sure you did that. Man, I swear to God, I didn't do it. Oh, in that case. And, 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 and that is a, you know, a, a line that you'll hear all the time. Or how about this one? Oh, man, just give, give me, I'll, I'll swear on a stack of Bibles. Not just one, a whole stack. 
Like, bring all the different translations. I'll swear on all of them. Like, oh, you know, like that, that somehow is binding. And, you know, when, when someone says to me, oh, I swear to God, I didn't do it. Immediately, it just, first of all, just tweaks me. But secondly, I, I, you lose all credibility. If you have to swear that you didn't do it to prove a point, it makes me think you're lying and that, that you, you, you have to, to go there. And maybe sometimes I think with young people, it can be done innocently, not innocently, but innocently enough that they are maybe telling the truth and that's their way to try to really get a point across. But what I've taught my kids from a young age, number one is we don't want to be guilty of taking the Lord's name in vain. And Jesus was very clear, do not swear. And Jesus said, don't swear by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem. And so he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So what Jesus is dealing with is, a, is integrity. What Jesus is dealing with is a lifestyle that um, you always tell the truth. And, and believe me, if, if you have a reputation of somebody who's honest Abe and you tell the truth in your dealings and you don't ever go to that, I have to prove that I'm telling the truth mentality where you're going to swear to God or you're going to swear on a stack of Bibles. And, and, and that's why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So when people, when you deal with people in life, you, 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 your yes is yes. Your yes is not, well, one of those, those white lies like that, that we're pretty easy at telling that, you know, is a, is, is a lie that just covered in, you know, a, a fake truth when your intent is to deceive. But again, if you're a person of integrity and you've built a reputation as somebody who tells the truth, that's let your yes be yes, your no be no. Now, now when someone comes to you and if they don't believe you, we're, we're not going to go to that next level. We're going to continue in our integrity. We're going to continue in telling the truth. And the only way this works is, is if we tell the truth all the time. And that's what Jesus said. Just tell the truth all the time. Be honest. Be integral. And then you don't have to. And, and, and don't take it to that level of taking the Lord's name in vain where you let your yes be no, yes, and your no be no. Um, you know, I don't know where people get all of these um, sayings. And, and you know, I, I guess the reality is that Satan has definitely um, inspired some of them, I guess. Like, who in the world was the first person who said, well, I'll be damned? Really? Like, do you realize what that means? And the word damn is a, it's a church word. It's a Christian word that, that is short for damnation. And eternal damnation is not a joke. That, that's going to spend eternity in hell. And, and, and it's been so numbed down as a part of breaking this commandment of taking the Lord's name in vain that now damn is a, you know, it's a, just a common word that, that, that we use and we, we, we think nothing of it. But, man, I, I couldn't imagine uttering the words, well, I'll be damned. And people even say, right, like in, I don't know, even in like curiosity or in surprise, like, oh, well, I'll be danged. <laughs> probably should probably stop saying it, huh? <laughs> um, but, but again, you know, Pastor Gerald used to share, when Pastor Gerald would share out of this, and it must have been a Kansas thing because I never heard it growing up. But I guess the farmers would say, I'll be go to hell. You ever heard anybody say that? Yeah. So, yeah, I get, but when he would say that, I'm this young kid from LA, I'm like, I never heard anybody say that. We didn't say that in the hood. What are you talking about? But I, I guess it's true. You know, people, was, I, again, why, why would you want to utter those words? I'd be go to hell. 
But, but what happens, again, I think that we have to be careful for as Christian people is we, we you know, Satan has, has hijacked all of our terms. He's constantly hijacking our terms. You know, everything from the term gay to Christian to relationship. I mean, they're, they're all getting hijacked by the world and meaning something different than what they are. And, and there has been this numbing down of the reality that, that, yes, you will be, you could be, go to hell. And that's not something that, that as Christian people that we... We want to be a part of. We don't want to say that. You know, so many times, and I don't know what it is about about this thing, but and just something that, you know, a little rabbit trail here for you guys. But have you guys ever seen a movie? And I, I pick up on it. But I've watched several movies. And within the first 15 seconds of the movie, the first line that the star, the main guy, somewhere in the very beginning of the movie, the, the term GD is used. And I, I wish I could say at that point I just turned every one of the movies off because I. But nine times out of ten, ten and a half times out of ten, that, that that's not a good movie. And there's just something, and it could just be me, but that 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 when they start, it's almost like it's it's programmed or planned. But it's the first line in the movie, GD. And, and, and again, um, you know that that's obviously. To me, that's the worst thing. You know, if I caught my kid saying the F word, like, I'm not going to be happy as a father, right? Like, he's going to be in trouble, big trouble. But if I heard him say that, GD, that would break my heart. That that would be way bigger, way more important. Like, you know, as Christian people, we, we never want to say that. And, you know, when you, and, and how does the world say? They, 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 they say it all the time. They just flow it out like it's no big deal, you know, and... Um, or they'll, or they'll, they'll, they'll damn something, you know, GD, that car, that GD car. You're like, well, don't damn that car. I don't want it to go to hell. I kind of like it. You know, I, I kind of, I kind of need it to get around and, you know, or, you know, John Corson tells a funny story of being in, in the, um, in the gym, this big brute next to him comes in. He's got his racket, his racquetball racket from the gym and he lost the game and he smashes it in his locker and he says, oh, Jesus. And John lights up his pastor and he says, oh, you know him too? Wow, Jesus is my, you know, and he starts just like, just in love, really just being sincere and just starts going on and on about, oh, wow, like so excited for this guy. He says, you see this guy in the gym from time to time working out. He says, the last time that guy said it around me because he didn't want to hear me preach at him anymore, you know, but and I, I think, you know, I try. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes, right, we, we can be bitter. We can be those sucking on lemon Christians when somebody uses one of those terms around us and they don't know God. And, and the issue is not their language, right? We, 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 can, we can condemn them. We can, um, we can chide them. We can guilt them for saying GD or Jesus in a conversation. But they, they can stop saying GD and they can stop saying Jesus when they get angry and using it as a curse word. But they're still going to hell. They, 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 they need Jesus. They need salvation. And so finding a way, you know, and, 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 I, and again, I'm not saying that we don't ever say anything to a coworker, a family member, a friend, a neighbor when, when they say those things. And, and it should be at least that they know enough about you that if they, because, you know, I, I, in certain circles, I've got a reputation. They know who I am. They know what I do. And if they slip out something like that in conversation, they'll, they'll catch themselves. And I always feel good about that. I always feel like, all right, cool. You know, like, and I didn't have to, but they just, oh, sorry about that, you know. And, 
And, and just depending on what the situation is, you know, maybe not with one of those, but with a curse word or something. Oh, it's all right. You know, the first time I heard it, you know, like um, to, to try to be loving and to try to understand that, that my, my goal is not to clean up their speech. Because you can have clean speech and go to hell. My goal is to is to is to lead them to Jesus, is to show them a Jesus that that I know, and and so, but but again, we want to deal with those things. How about another one? Let's see if I got another example here. Uh, how about in texting? You guys ever use a few uh, acronyms or letters in your text messages? OMG. Good thing or bad thing for Christian people? Is it are we flirting with the third commandment? Do not take the Lord the name of the Lord in vain. Again, I, I think to understand, I want you guys to help, help you understand. Part, part of the weight of this commandment is um, the name of the Lord is holy. The name of the Lord is, is um, profound and it's powerful. What did Jesus say? When, when, his, when Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He said, he said when you pray, say, um, how's the beginning of the Lord's Prayer go? Our Father in heaven... That's it. Our Father in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. And so Jesus teaches us that the name of God is hallowed. And you probably got to look that word up to find out what it means. Reverent, glorified, big. There's this um, thing I call the Psalms progression. So if you start in Psalms chapter 1 and you start to read the Psalms, you, you find this verse over and over and over again, all the way through the Psalms, that makes this amazing case for the name of, the, the name of God. Great is thy name and greatly to be praised. Great is thy name and greatly to be praised. The name of God, the name, the name, the name, the name, the name, the name. And there's this, this huge emphasis from the heart of the psalmist about the name of God. And so, so it's something, again, do you know that, that, that to this day, Jews will not write the name of God? Have you ever, have you ever been to a Jewish website? E- even when they're typing in English and they're writing G-O-D, how, how do they write it? G slash D because they will not write the name of God when, when the rabbis and the scholars and the scribes who were recording the scriptures they, they would write one letter of the name of God then they would go and they would take a bath and they would clean they would ceremonially wash and they would come back and they would write the second letter then they would go and start the whole process over and over again to this day we do not know the vows in the name of God because it was the Jews considered the name of God so reverent and so holy that they left the vows out so, so, so that they wouldn't make a mistake or that they wouldn't mispronounce or so they wouldn't use the name of the Lord. And that's why when we, we have, what, what is the name of God? What do we have in our English letters? It's called the Tetragrammaton. Whenever you see in the Old Testament four capital letters, L-O-R-D, that, that's, where, that's the Hebrew, Y-H-V-H, or Yahweh, or Jehovah. Some pronounce it Jehovah. Jehovah can't technically be right because there's no j sound in hebrew so the jehovah witnesses or those that want to make a big issue that god's name is jehovah so basically what we've done is we've taken the yhvh and we've we've put the vowels in where we think they fit but the reality is we don't know because the name of god is to be hallowed it's important it's 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 everything and so when when why would we want to why would we use that in a curse word why would we use god's name in an omg in a um in those types of things. And God is dealing with that. And that is, um, I, I think, again, a part of, of taking the Lord's name in vain and we don't want to do it. It's interesting, in, in the Psalms, in that progression that I was telling you guys about, 
about three quarters of the way through the Psalms, very interesting verse, it says, God says, I put my word above my name. So all this emphasis on, on God's name, 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 name. And then we come to, to the middle and he says, I, I put my word above my name. Just the emphasis on, on that God's word is important. So as far as the name of God goes, do you guys know the story? You know how we got God's name, right? Moses um, is 40 years as an Egyptian adopted child of the, of the Pharaoh, of the king, of the most powerful man in the world. At 40 years old, he, he kills an Egyptian and he sides with the Hebrews and he flees for his life. And for 40 years, he's in the wilderness and the, and the desert of Midian where he gets a wife and has some kids. And he's the, 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 the worst thing society can offer and the lowest job and the lowest career. And, and he, you know, he swims through the sewers and fixes the pipes kind of thing. He's, he's a shepherd. And, and one day as a shepherd, a bush is on fire. And the bush says to him, hey, Moses, I want you to go to the most powerful man in the world. And I want you to tell him to let my people go or a bunch of bad stuff is going to happen. And, and, and Moses is like thinking through in his mind, like, how's this going to go? I'm going to go to Pharaoh. I'm going to go, you know, you, you need to let my people go because there's a, there's a bush in the wilderness that's really mad. And, you know, it's, it's bad stuff's going to happen if you, if you make this bush mad. And so Moses asks a wonderful question as he's introduced there to, to, to God, as the, their, their, their relationship of conversation begins, eventually it grows into what? God speaks to Moses face to face as a man speaks to man. And Moses says to God in the bush, and he says to the bush, he says, who do I tell him sent me? Or a very simple question. He says, what is your name? When I get to Pharaoh and, and I have to tell him to let my people go, he's going to say, well, you know, and what is your name? And, and God answers from the burning bush, and he says, Ego on me. He says, I am. Moses gets out his tablet, and he starts writing down, I am. Okay, what's the rest? I am what? I am that I have. And Moses is like, don't. What is that? You know, like, that, that's the name of God. I am. And the, the name of God is, he can't just have, like, one. He's God, you know. And, and it can't, it's not John or Peter. I mean, I guess Jesus had a name, but Jesus' name means God is salvation, but I am is ego a me is the becoming one. God is the becoming one for you. And then you add all the titles of, of the Lord, the Lord, our healer, the Lord, our savior, the Lord, our provider, uh, all the different names of God. And for each one of us, as we come into church, as we come into life, especially in church, every one of the things I pray for you guys, and I pray for us as a church is that we, we've all come in with different needs tonight. And that, you know, some of us may have a, a need for provision and financial. Maybe some of us need a healing. Maybe some of us need encouraged. Maybe some of us need disciplined and corrected. Maybe, you know, whatever that is, it's different. And, and, and God becomes that for you. That's in the name of God that he, he meets that need for you. He, he's your provider tonight if you need a provider. He's your healer tonight if you need a healer. You know, and, and on and on and on and on as, as God's name is, is huge. And so when he says, and as he starts out the third commandment, importantly, do not take my name in vain. It's important, right? And, and, and then now as we go on to the big, that was kind of under the category of the small. And I got some more, but we're going to move on because I do want to um, talk a little bit about the other topic tonight. Um, the... I guess the second part, and again, is 
and I, I don't know how to really kind of unpack this. You think of, for example, he used the example in the, um, in the video, uh, to this day, what, what do Muslims shout out every time before they, before they kill somebody? Allahu Akbar, which means God is great. That, that's what it, that's what the pronounce, or the, what it means. God is great. So they, they're, they're, they're claiming these murders, these things in God's name. Um, the Crusaders, and, and if we take it, we bring it a little more home, the, there was a group that they had crosses on their, sh- on their swords, and, and the, the history of the Crusaders is not completely all terrible, because the reality is the Crusaders were born out of Muslim oppression. You know, the Islam started in the 600s and, and they began to pillage and, and rape and, um, and, and, and take and, and to fight back. Some, I think, Christian people in name mostly began to fight back and fight against Islam in, in, in those years and they were called the Crusaders. One of the interesting things when I was at a Christian school before we came, you know, we would play other Christian schools and their mascot would be the Crusaders. And it always puzzled me because... Really, if you study the history of the Crusaders, the Crusaders came in the name of God and murdered you if you didn't follow, if you didn't believe, if you didn't convert. And, you know, again, that's, that's not the heart of Jesus, right? That's taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That, that's taking the name to do something, to its blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You know, if we take it to just a, maybe a, a, a more personal level, we, we have so many charlatans out there. And John calls them in First John, he calls them antichrists or, you know, um, against Christ. And they come in the name of God. And I'll tell you, the number one enemy of the gospel and what's true is not Satan and his, or it is Satan, but it's not a direct front door attack on the church. Like what happened to the early church in persecution. The church grew through persecution. What's more devastating to the church is so-called Christians who, 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 who profess one thing and lead a life another way. Jesus has some very strong words in Revelation for the lukewarm church. And, and the lukewarm church, they, they had a name of Christianity, but, but, and they went out in God's name, but they misrepresented God. You know, I always tell the story of the miracle on ice. You guys heard this before? Have you guys seen the movie, Miracle on Ice? Is that not a popular movie? It's a great Disney movie. You guys really need to get out a little more. You need to watch it. Miracle on Ice. It's a true story about, uh, about an Olympic, American Olympic hockey team. And, and, and if you guys remember, the United States for a long time, we didn't play with professional athletes in the Olympics. Now the basketball dream team, that started like in the 80s somewhere, right? But up, up until that point... We, we could only use amateur athletes in... So if you were paid to play your sport, we didn't use you. So it was impossible. And other countries were already using their professional athletes. And the Russians were the most dominant, powerful hockey force the world had ever seen and had been for years. And the United States, just with amateur athletes and, and college kids and ragtag group, put a hockey team together. And they came in and they beat the Russians in the Olympic in the gold medal match in this amazing, like, 100... 50 to 1 odds of, of winning this match. Now, as they, as they came together as a group and they, and they played against the Russians, they, they, they had the opportunity to win. There was one way that, that they had absolutely zero chance to beat the Russians. And that is if their goalie was secretly playing for the Russians. 
And if their goalie was secretly playing for the other team and he was letting the Russians score and not blocking goals, there's no chance they're going to win. And, and, and so many times, that's the biggest enemy of the gospel. I hope you guys can put this together, what I'm trying to say, is that it's, it's within the church, it's within the, the so-called name of Christ that gives us the biggest black eye. And the biggest thing is when we use the name of the Lord in vain and we, we profess Christianity and godliness and, and, and it just gives the world a, a nasty taste in their mouth because really we're playing for the other team. And that's why Jesus deals so, so harshly and seriously with the lukewarm church in Revelation 3. And again, as you look at what's the biggest enemy of the gospel, it's so-called Christian ministries and, and Christian people and, and, and that, 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 that claim the name of Christ. But, and then again, that's kind of what the end of that video was, that they defamed the name of God. You know, you, you, as you witness and as you share, do you ever run into anybody that says, I don't go to church because all church is about is, is money. Church just wants your money. Where do they get that from? They get that from watching TV. They get that from so-called Christian people. And every time they turn it on. We used to do this thing when I was in Bible college. And at home it was Channel 40. I don't know what is here. What's TBN? Hopefully you guys don't know because you don't watch it. But, but on, on, on TBN, Channel 40... We, 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 would, we would turn the TV on to Channel 40, and we'd all take bets on how long before there was a first reference to some kind of money. And it was never longer than a minute. And no matter what time of day or night we turned it on, like, okay, guys, we write down their number, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute and a half. We turn it on, we start the talk clock. <laughs> I win, 20 seconds. And it was every time, it was, and it's nonsense. And, and it's an enemy of the gospel, and it hurts the truth because it's something that goes out in Jesus' name. We had this guy in 29 Palms of all places who was a small-time TV evangelist who um, my brother was a framer and, and building his man cave at his house that was stocked with beers and pool tables and just tons of hypocrisy. And his, his scheme was um, no evil oil. And if you'll send him your money, and if you'll send the right donation, he'll send you, and it was like a little like ketchup packet full of oil that he'll send to you that he prayed over. And if you rub this no evil oil on you, the devil won't attack you for the right price. For nineteen ninety nine, you can get your bottle of no evil oil. Now, if I don't know Jesus, and I don't know too many Christian people, and, and that's my impression of the gospel, that's my impression of the Bible, that I got to give this guy nineteen ninety nine to get the no evil oil that he prayed over. It, th- that's just one. Well, that guy just was in my backyard. There, there's a guy that you, you'd hold your wallet up to the TV screen, and and then for the right amount of money, you know, he would bless it, and you know, and 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 you would get rich, and it would start just filling up with money. Or you, you know, he'd send you they send you a prayer cloth that that they prayed over, and you keep it in your wallet, and you'll get healthy and wealthy, and and, and, and that is taking the name of the Lord God in vain, the big issue. That's the issue I think that, that Prager University is, president is more dealing with. And I think that is the bigger picture issue of, of, of our lives. And we don't want to be guilty of that, right? We don't want to be guilty of, of, of being lukewarm, as Jesus taught in, in Revelation. We don't want to be guilty of taking the Lord's name in vain. You know, um, I, I, I would not want to be in one of those shoes on Judgment Day. 
I would not want to have to stand before Jesus and give account that I was a goalie for the U.S. hockey team and I was secretly playing for the Russians. That I was, I was, I was undermining the, the gospel and the work of God. And, and that, I think, is the essence of, of taking the Lord's name in vain. Amen?